thank you everyone. Who's having a great service so far this morning? Yeah. Having fun? Wow, I don't know how I'm going to follow it really, because there's been so much that's gone on already. And um, I know we've packed quite a lot in this morning, so I don't want to keep you too long. So maybe by two o'clock, is that all right to be finished? <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, anyway, I just thought, um, didn't the kids do an amazing job this morning? They really started to, uh, and the worship team as well. I know carols aren't always your thing, Alex, but you did brilliantly. <laughs> so, no, not recently, no. <laughs> so I think they did an absolute um, fantastic job. And, um, you know, as we anticipate Christmas um, and all the wonderful things that we're going to celebrate around this Christmas season, which is full of greatness and celebration and all of those things, I just thought it would be good just to spend a bit of time this morning just reflecting um, on who it's all about. Uh, and the title of my message this morning is very simply, Expecting Jesus. Is anybody expecting Jesus here this morning? <laughs> expecting Jesus to show up. And Lord God, I just pray, Lord God, as I, as I bring your word this morning, we're inviting you, Jesus, to come. We know you're already here. Will you just come and speak through my mouth, Lord Jesus? We're expecting you to do something in this place this morning. In Jesus' name. So we're on the third Sunday of Advent today, so it popped up on my Bible thing this morning. So third Sunday of Advent, and it's a really wonderful time of the year, isn't it? Um, it's full of lots of things. Tony and I went out for dinner last night with a couple of his work colleagues, and we were sort of going through town, and we could see all these parties, and everyone's celebrating and getting on with their Christmas stuff. All the lights are up. I did think Muttley Plain lights are a bit disappointing compared to Crown Hill Village. Whoop, whoop. Much better up there, up our neck of the woods. But uh, yeah, all the lights and everything going on. And so there's those things going on. And as we were out and I was just sitting there thinking, actually, for some people, this is what it's about. This is all it's about. Putting the Christmas tree up, buying presents, doing family stuff, uh, you know, having lots of food, overeating, which I do every year. For some people, that's all it's about. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But for us, the whole period of Advent and the whole period of Christmas should be something more than the tinsel and the parties and all of those things that we do. And I was looking at the Wikipedia de uh, de description of, um, of, of Advent and how it describes it as this. It says, it's the time of expectant waiting and preparation for both the celebration of the nativity of Christ at Christmas and also the return of Christ in the second coming. So this morning I wanted us just to explore this concept of expecting Jesus through the perspective of a couple of different kind of angles. Is that okay? And we shouldn't take too long, hopefully. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'm going to start in the book of Luke, uh, chapter 1, uh, from verse 26 onwards. Familiar um, passage to us all, but I think it just sets the context of expecting Jesus this morning. So from verse 26 it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a child. You will call him Jesus and he will be great, and he will be the son of the Most High. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you with power of the Most High, and he will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, uh, Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is already in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. So the first perspective I want us to explore a little bit about this morning is that Mary was expecting a baby. (laughs) Anyone expecting a baby? No. (laughs) Mary was expecting a baby. So as we've just seen in the classic account that the children have brought to us, um, you know, we know that following the message that, that you've seen all of that there, so I won't repeat it, but Mary, Mary does become pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and she does give birth to Jesus. Um, and, uh, you know, and all of that happens as we've just seen the kids describe to us. But have we ever stopped to think about who Mary was? Why was Mary chosen, and what was it like for her to be carrying the baby that was promised to be the hope for the world. And I spent a bit of time looking at this. And in the first chapter of Luke um, that we've just read, we were introduced to, uh, to Mary. She is, you know, the, 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 the angel Gabriel visits her, told us that she's favored. So we know that a bit about her. And we know that um, she's going to give birth. But sometimes the familiarity of scriptures like this that we read at Christmas, sometimes the, our over-familiarity with them, because we all know them, keeps us from seeing how significant they really are. The significant moments of what Mary did in her encounter with that angel and her response to that, more importantly. The angel calls Mary highly favored by the Lord. He describes her as the one who has found favor with God and upon whom the Holy Spirit will come in power. Mary's response with humble obedience to the call. Later in the chapter, um, when she's with Elizabeth, Elizabeth shares with her and says, it, it, you know, this, you are really favored. This is the promise. It's coming through you. Um, and we know that Mary goes on at the end of this, uh, at this chapter one. Has anyone read the first chapter of Luke recently? It's really long, isn't it? Tony started reading it in bed one night. And um, I said to him, how far did you get? He said, well, I didn't realize it was quite that long. And so I think he fell asleep before he actually got to the end of it. So he had to keep reading it again the next night and then the next night. Have you done that yet? You finished it. <laughs> so anyway, sorry, I should overshare there, oversharing. Sorry, apologies for that. So, um, but um, she, Mary, at the end of this, when she goes on, she, in her song of praise, she says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has been mindful of me in my humble state, a servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things in me. So in this incarnation, the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary with power. Comes upon her with power. And she conceives Jesus, becomes the mother of the Son of God. I want us to sink in about the kind of the enormity of it this morning. She's highly favored. She's blessed. She's set apart. God's got a purpose for her in her life. And she didn't know about it at that stage. We don't know much about Mary before we hear about her um, in this sort of first book of the gospel, um, but we know that um, 
that she was of the right, the right lineage. She was married to somebody who was of the same lineage that would take her to, to go to Bethlehem. So we know that about her. We know she was from Nazareth. We know she was a virgin, probably a person of good character. But Mary herself describes herself at the end of this chapter as a lowly servant girl. She was not one that you'd expect to give birth to the savior of the world, the king of the world, the, ki the king to be. She was not of a royal bloodline. She was not of any significantly special kind of family. She wasn't an, you know, posh <laughs> or any of those things. Um, she wasn't of anyone of any significance. But here Mary is. She is this young woman preparing to get married. And then she has an encounter with an angel that takes a huge U-turn on her life. She's planning to get married to Joseph, and then suddenly it all changes because God has had something that was planned for her life that was different to the, what she was planning for herself. Anyone ever been in that position where you think, I've got it all worked out? Terry, Sonia? <laughs> Thought you were going to be settled here? God had something different for you, called you to do something better than what you could have thought. Suddenly God interrupts our plans and he takes us on a, different, on a different route than what we were planning because his ways are far better than our ways. And he can blow our minds with just the, kind of, just the, um, the greatness that he has planned. And sometimes we don't always see that for ourselves, but he changes our course sometimes. So Mary goes on and probably questions the practicalities of um, how this is going to happen. I don't know if any, that anybody's ever kind of sat down and explained to her how, um, you know, a miracle conception is going to happen by a supernatural thing. I don't think she knew anything of that. Um, but later on in the chapter, when she goes about her praise, she indicates that she has the knowledge of the prophecies that have been foretold for many years because she, she knew of the, the Messiah. And we know that the angel Gabriel said to her, you will give birth to the Messiah. And so she had this going... So saying yes to this privilege, so we have an angel here, he's saying to her, Mary, you will do this. But it was actually a question. It was a question to her. Saying yes to this, and this decision that Mary was making at that point, would have been absolutely significant for her. And you know, it was a decision, and a decision needed to be made by Mary. So we always forget that sometimes, I think, I do. We just assume that the angel shows up, says, you're going to do this, Mary, and she goes, okay, well, <laughs> but there was a response from Mary. We see here, you know, God never, never forces us to do anything. There's always a response, and Mary's response was simple yet profound in its nature. She said these words, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. There was an acceptance by Mary in that. She acknowledged, first of all, God is Lord and Savior, his sovereignty. She said, Lord, I am the Lord's servant. She put herself in that position. She surrendered to the will of God in her life. Her willingness to do that meant that she was part of this wonderful miracle that we celebrate through our Christmas time now with bringing the Savior, Jesus Christ, into the world. How frighteningly awesome would that be? God shows up and tells you something, and you accept what he gives you as that, as that challenge and um, how amazing that would be. I mean, I was thinking about this, that um, if a woman suspects that she's pregnant in our day and age, they can quite go down to the pharmacy. They can get one of those little 
things, <laughs> pregnancy test kits, <laughs> and uh, they, can, they can do a simple little test, and within minutes, they can find out the results, within minutes. And I don't think that was the case when Mary was um, in this situation. So here she is. Um, she's been told she's going to have this baby by a kind of this supernatural conception. Um, and so I was thinking about it. There was a period of time of waiting between when the angel Gabriel said, this is what's going to happen, where Mary said, yes, Lord, do it through me. And when she would have seen anything physical to have backed that up, there would have been a period of waiting time because she wouldn't have suddenly gone, oh, I'm pregnant. It takes time for that to physically appear so you get that kind of confirmation of what God had said was going to happen in her life. There was no physical, physical signs. And I was wondering what was going through Mary's emotions at that time. I wonder whether she just went, oh, okay, that's, that's interesting, Angel Gabriel. I'll just sit back and see what happens. Maybe it will, maybe it won't happen. Maybe she was frightened about it. Or maybe, maybe she was excited, anticipating through faith what would come to be in terms of the promise that had been made. And we see again in, in, in Luke 1, verse 39, it says these words, it says, a few days later, so not six months later when she started to show any physical signs of her pregnancy, or a couple of months probably, I don't know the biology that well, <laughs> um, but it was a few days later. So after the angel Gabriel had come, it was a few days later, it says, that Mary hurried to see Elizabeth. And they had this great account of, uh, where Elizabeth said, yeah, you, you, you are the chosen one. You're going to carry the Son of God. And John's in Elizabeth's tummy and goes, you, bouncing around baby that's confirmation as well. So they're all kind of in this place. And Mary's rejoicing. And this was a few days later. There's no physical evidence. She trusted with faith and expectation that she was expecting the Messiah. She was expecting that through faith. And I was thinking about how it must have felt for Mary to be carrying the Messiah. I can't think of a way to be closer to someone than to carry them inside you. Those of you that are mothers around here, you'll probably be familiar with this. When you've carried your child inside of you, that closeness that you have, you probably never felt closer to them than when you were in that position. So here she is, close to Jesus, inside of her. That bond that she would have had. And whilst Mary had the physical presence of Jesus being inside her, which was an amazing miracle that we all still celebrate even to this day across the world, it was just the beginning. It was just the beginning. Mary was effectively the first person to invite Jesus into her life. She said, yes, come in. She was expecting Jesus and she opened the way by allowing Jesus came so that we can accept Jesus into our lives. And we can have Jesus in our lives. And the angel said that, that the baby was holy and we're called to be holy. And how do we do this? By, do we, are we good by good works or by trying our hardest? No, by a closeness to God. By being close to God. And Mary was close to Jesus. She carried him inside her. And if we're Christians, the Bible tells us that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God dwells in us. 
Spirit of God dwells in us. So as God's children, we literally carry the presence of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Trinity. So as, as Mary was physically carrying Jesus, we can invite Jesus and we can invite the Holy Spirit into our lives and we can carry, we can carry the presence of God with us. Mary was expecting Jesus with an anticipation and excitement that the Savior of the world would come and bring hope to the world. And this morning, the Spirit of God dwelling in us should be that we're expecting Jesus. That we're expecting with that same anticipation, with that same excitement, that we have a Savior and that we can bring hope to the world around us by carrying Jesus Christ, the Spirit, the, His Holy Spirit in us that we can be expecting Jesus in that this morning. There was a beautiful song um, I was listening to the other week by Francesca Battistelli. And uh, if you get a chance over Christmas, do listen to it on YouTube or whatever, whatever you have access to. But it's called Be Born in Me. Uh, and the lyrics are just beautiful, and they go like this. Be born in me, trembling heart. Somehow I believe that you chose me. I'll hold you in the beginning. You will hold me in the end. Every moment in the middle, make my heart your Bethlehem. Be born in me, Jesus. This is Mary singing. She said, I am not brave. I'll never be. The only thing my heart can offer is a vacancy. I'm just a girl, nothing more, but I'm willing. I am yours. Be born in me. Mary had this willingness to say, yes, Lord, come in. Yes, Lord. She said, let it be, let your word be through me. She said, yes. So she simply did. And God is calling, I believe, each and every one of us this morning to say yes. Say yes to him. Say yes, God. I'm willing. Let your will be through me in everything that I do, in us expecting Jesus, that you will come in and let it be through me. My second perspective that I want to explore this morning is that the kings were expecting, uh, sorry, the Jews were expecting a king. They were expecting a king. In Isaiah 60, it says, darkness as black as the earth covers the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Um, and this scripture actually depicts, it kind of sets out what hope can look like and how it starts to build when, we, when God declares he's going to do something amazing, something incredible, the kind of hope that Jesus brought when he fulfilled the promise of long ago. Um, and I was looking into this, um, that um, you know, there was this promise, and, and here Jesus is placing himself at the mercy of this first-time new mum, <laughs> poor carpenter, no place to go, and Jesus came. Jesus came. In the book of Genesis, we... We can see throughout that, that even at the first point of the first sin, God was already making a way to bring a savior, to bring the, to, to bring the, resurrection, the restoration of mankind to himself. From the point of first sin, 2,000 years before Jesus' birth, when God makes a promise to Abraham, that's part of the plan that he was working towards. Isaiah's words in, in, in chapter 9, as, as Steve read out this morning, for, us to, for unto us a child is born, and we've had that this morning. They were given more than 700 years before uh, the promise was fulfilled. That's uh, really, when I was thinking about this, that pretty much means that the first advent 
started about 2,000 years ago, maybe a bit more. 2,000 years of waiting and anticipation uh, bef before it was fulfilled. So in reality, that's, that's the kind of time that we're... So I was thinking, that's a long time to wait, isn't it? No, th those of you who've got children, you're probably they're probably climbing the walls already because they had to wait 24 days of their advent calendars before they get to open their presents on Christmas morning. So waiting 700 years is quite a long time to wait, or, or 2,000 years is quite a long time to wait, um, and a long time to wait uh, for a saviour to come into the world. And so, you know, when we see this, and we think about in the context of what was happening at this time that Jesus came into the world, Jesus came into a world at a time where, you know, it's not like what we experience Advent now in, in terms of having our fairy lights, our Advent calendars and all of those things, lighting some candles in that um, sense of, of it. It was a time of absolute oppression, desperation, injustice, and many of the people that had been waiting um, and had knowledge of the coming Messiah had forgotten about it. There were very few people that actually had remembered the promise, had remembered who God was, um, and uh, th the only people that really were expecting it were people that just didn't have any chance of delivering that. They weren't, they were expecting a king, so there wasn't any, any royal bloodlines or anything that, uh, and, and everyone was just under the oppression of Rome um, at the time that Jesus was, was, kind of, was kind of born. But I was thinking about this, that actually if you've waited, and there were a few people, so there were a few of the Jews, there were a few of those people that were waiting, and they knew a little bit about that, but if they'd waited for it for so long, how come they didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah? They were waiting for it. Didn't recognize him. Messiah word comes from the, na the Hebrew for anointed one. It's one of the titles of the kings descended from David. Most Jews expected Messiah to lead a revolt against the Rome kind of empire that was oppressive and, and all of those aspects. Um, and to establish a new kingdom on earth and to be really visible as a, as a king of that kingdom and all of those earthly sense of a kingdom. And instead, Jesus didn't do that. He didn't establish an earthly kingdom the first time that he came. It wasn't what they were expecting. Jesus said instead in John 18, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. When, when the Pharisees tried to say, him, are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king and make him be the king? He withdrew from a lot of that. And he said these words, when they asked him, when will the kingdom of God come? He said, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. It was a different type. Jesus' kingdom was not like an earthly kingdom, and it wasn't what people expected. It contrasted completely from what the earthly kind of vision of a kingdom is. And I don't just mean good and evil in terms of a kingdom. It, it's the, con the fundamental difference between how you do life, your guiding principles, uh, your belief systems, your mindsets, completely out of odds to each other. Earthly kingdom to Jesus' kingdom. Completely at odds to each other. The kingdom of the world is about power over people. It's about control. It's about dominance. It's about territory. That's why we see so many of the wars in our countries around the world. It's about power. Kingdom of God. Kingdom of Jesus. What Jesus brought was totally different. It was about giving power to people. 
was about transforming lives from the inside out. It was about carrying out God's will. It was about humbling yourself. It was about loving God as God, loving others as God loves people. And it's about carrying a cross instead of a sword into a battlefield. It wasn't about fighting against people. It was about fighting against principalities and powers of darkness. That was the kingdom he was establishing. But those that were waiting for a Messiah were expecting somebody else. They didn't expect a vulnerable little baby that was born in a, probably a not very nice part of the world. We know that they said nothing good ever comes out of Nazareth. They didn't expect this vulnerable little baby that was going to be the savior. Who would? I guess. Jesus was born into poverty. He was born in probably, we depict it on, you know, our nativity plays about how, you know, the shepherds and the, flock and the flocks and the angels, etc. But I guess it was probably just like any other night for most people. Any other simple night. In a place called Bethlehem that was only really favored, famous because of its king who'd been long dead along with his kingdom. Nothing of any significance. Far from the treasured king that they were expecting to come with royalty, to come with power and dominance and all of those things that they're expecting. So many people missed the Messiah because he didn't fit their expectations, their hopes, their dreams, their desires. They distracted them from seeing him when he came. They distracted him from seeing him. They needed freedom from their oppressors, but they weren't prepared to see that Jesus brought so much more. He brought so much more. And as we get ready for Christmas, I want us to open our hearts and let God fill it with his presence and his purpose in our lives. For the majority of people, they will go about celebration of Christmas through tinsel, trees, family celebrations, the food that we eat, the presents that we give, and all of those things, but they'll miss Jesus. They'll miss Jesus. Because it's not in the things that we use just to, you know, kind of show what God's given us. They're just symbols. The lights that we put on our trees, they're just symbols about Jesus being the light of the world. But he's not in that. And we can get so fascinated by all of those things that are just symbols and miss Jesus himself. In our celebrations, sometimes distract us from recognizing the fact that the gift has already been given. <laughs> Jesus has already come. We celebrate it at Christmas, but he's already here. And we can miss that sometimes. And, you know, I, I pray that all of us in this room have an amazing Christmas with our families and friends. Don't hear me wrong in this. I'm not going to be humbug and stuff. I love it all myself, too. But I just don't want us to miss the opportunity to see Jesus in the middle of it. He's so much more than that. I want to be expecting Jesus this Christmas so that I don't miss him. And so that when I get to January and all the lights come down and when the rest of the world gets into a depressed state, you know, state, you know doomy January, you know, highest rate of suicide in January, highest rate of divorce in January... I don't want us to be in that place. I want us to be expecting Jesus, the promise and receiving the promise of him already in our lives, that he is 
Above all, he is the power. He is everything that we need. And when all that tinsels down, he's still Jesus. He's still king of kings and king of our lives. He will always be with us, not just around the Christmas time. And my third perspective I wanted to just explore very quickly this morning was that Christians, we're expecting our triumphant return of our Savior. That's the second part of Advent. So in in a familiar carol, just to keep Alex happy because I know he likes carols, (laughs) it says, O come, Jesus. O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, thou long-expected Savior, Jesus. Come to my heart, Lord Jesus. And, you know, the word Advent is derived from a Latin word, Adventus, and it just simply means coming, coming. I'll come. The lyrics of some of our best songs, we saw sung some of them this morning, and we'll sing more of them over the next few times that we gather, I'm sure. Oh, come, all ye faithful. There's a call to us as well. We say, oh, come, Jesus, and there's a call to us as faithful people. Oh, come, let us adore him. Come and worship Come and worship Christ our King. So the gospel and the incarnation of of Jesus through that, it actually is also an invitation. It's an invitation. So we're asking Jesus to come and there's an invitation for us to come. In view of his coming and fulfillment of his promise, we now stand as partners with Jesus, showing and sharing the love and grace of his gospel message with those that we meet around us. You know, all over the world, in most countries, children like ours were this morning are doing their nativity plays. <laughs> and it was really interesting this morning because we forgot the baby. <laughs> and, my, and my next bit of here is that in their nativity plays at Christmas, we celebrate the baby. <laughs> and we didn't have a baby. We didn't even have a baby, but so we celebrate the baby at Christmas when we do our nativities. But we're looking forward with expectation and excitement to the day that Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, will be revealed in heaven. From heaven, he will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, transformed from what the world sees as this vulnerable little baby that some of them only see at Christmas, who didn't meet the expectations of the people into a triumphant savior transformed into a triumphant savior. Revelation 5 says, then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir of David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and it's seven seals. He is worthy. He has won the victory. You see, Advent is not just about anticipation for Christmas. It is about the expectation of Jesus' return. Waiting expectantly is to stay where you are, to be grounded, to be faithful, but to have an excited expectation of something good that's about to happen. I want us to just raise our expectation levels this morning. Something good is about to happen. Whether Jesus returns tonight, that would be amazing, but something good is going to happen in the next few days, the next three months, the next three weeks. As we go through, something good is about to happen. That is what expecting Jesus this Christmas is all about, expecting that something good is about to happen until the second coming of Jesus Christ.
Peter 1, 3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we've been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Why is it? Well, it goes on in 2 Peter to say, while you're waiting, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives, pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is patience. Jesus is not delayed in his coming. Some people mistakenly read the Bible and think, he should have returned by now if that was all true. But a thousand years is just but a day to God. He's not delayed. He's just patient. He wants everybody to have an opportunity to find him, to find him. We now live with great expectation so that others might be saved. We don't just live with great expectations so that we can have our Sundays in church, having a great time, so that others can find him before it's too late. So my final question really is a question to everybody. What are, what are you expecting this Christmas? Are you preparing for Christmas or are you preparing your hearts for the Holy Spirit? And asking the Holy Spirit, what will you do for me in this season? Are you preparing your hearts for Jesus? Or are we just running around town preparing presents and food and all of those things? Are we waiting for Christmas to, ri- to arrive? Or are we expecting to encounter Jesus? Encounter Jesus. Over this um, the, the month of Advent, I've just really been so just in awe of Jesus. Every day there's a new exploration of who Jesus is, who he is, that he cares for us, that he loves us, that he, he's passionate about us, who Jesus is. And I really want to just encourage everybody to expect Jesus to show up in your life this Christmas and beyond. When your family gets on your nerves, sorry, Dad, after lunch, when you burn the Christmas dinner, I hope not, but, you know, when things don't go quite according to plan, will you, do, be, will you be disappointed? Because it doesn't satisfy. Or will your focus be on remembering to watch for Jesus' presence in the world that we're in? Jesus, it's all about you. Will you miss Jesus this year because your expectations are placed in the wrong things? Or will you build your level of expectation and excitement and passion by opening your heart to Jesus and saying, Jesus, what do you want to do in and through me? What do you want to do, Jesus, in and through me? This Christmas, are you expecting just to have a lovely holiday? Nice break from work. I am looking forward to that. (laughs) But are you expecting Jesus? Mary was expecting to carry the Son of God who brought hope to the world. And I want to encourage us to be expecting to carry the Spirit of God so that we can take hope into the world around us. To carry, intimately carry the Spirit of God with us. So that when we go about our days, when we go about our conversations with people, we carry the Holy Spirit. I expect to be carrying the Holy Spirit. 
to have the presence of God in my life. That's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting Jesus as king, not as an earthly king, but a triumphant king of a new kingdom, a topsy-turvy kingdom, which doesn't fit with the world's order, but he's king of that kingdom, which is far better, far better. And I want to live with great expectation, knowing that God has given us all the power, the authority, the resources, everything we possibly need so that others might be saved in this period of waiting between now and the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's given us everything. We should expect to live with that great expectation that God has got some amazing, amazing things planned for us. Here at Restore Church, we know that God is calling each and every one of us to carry the Spirit of God into the world around us, that we see this city transformed. And he's given us all of those resources that we need. So my prayer this Christmas is simply, Jesus, I'm not brave. (laughs) I'll never be. The only thing I can offer you this year is my heart as a vacancy for you. I expect you, Jesus. I'm willing. I'm yours. Come, Jesus. Let it be through me. As Mary said, I'm willing. I'll say yes, Jesus. Let it be through me. Let's stand to our feet, shall we? When Mary was asked by the angel, was told by the angel, this is how it's going to happen, there was a response. There was a response. She had to say yes. And in that response, she started the events that had been pre-planned, but in her response being yes, in her surrender, she started a course of events that led to Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, dying for us, to make it possible for us to be in relationship with him. And this morning, I just want to just simply say and pray over us as we pray together, Lord Jesus, we're expecting you this year. Just for one moment, we lay aside all of the excitement and all of those things to say, Lord Jesus, we want to experience your presence. Let us not forget who you are and let us expect you this Christmas. You know, if you're here this morning and you you don't know Jesus, said that Mary opened, she was the first person that invited Jesus into her life. And there's an opportunity for you to do that this morning. Or maybe you're feeling far away from Jesus this morning. Jesus is calling you. There's a place for you. There's a place for you. You just have to say yes. Come in. I'm yours. I give my life to you. He's calling you.
just simply say yes. And this morning, God's calling each and every one of us to say yes to him. Say, God, I expect you to show up in my life. I raise my level of expectation, Lord Jesus. I raise it and say, God, I'm excited that what you've called to be, that what you've called in your word is going to come to be through me. And Lord God, we say yes this morning. We say yes this morning. We say yes this morning. If you say yes to Jesus this morning, just raise your hands, whether it is just because you want to say yes, Jesus, the first time, or whether you want to come close to him, or whether you just want to say, I want to expect you, Jesus. I want to expect you this Christmas time. I want to change course. <laughs> As Mary changed course, I want to change course this morning. I want to take my eyes off the things I was expecting and I want to put my eyes on you. I want to expect you, Jesus. I want to expect you to show up in every aspect of my life. I want to surrender to your sovereignty. I want to surrender to you. Say, I am your servant. And I just simply say yes. <laughs> I'm frightened in that, Lord. Saying yes to you means it might get uncomfortable. There might be something different I have to do. There might be something I've got to lay down. There might be something that I've got to change. But I say yes to you. And Lord God, that others might come to know you as we await your second coming. We say yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. And thank you, Jesus, for all the amazing stuff that you're going to do in and through each and every one of us over this next week, over this next few months, over the next years in this church. Lord God, I say thank you. I say thank you for the promise. Thank you, Lord God. We're expecting you to do something amazing. We're expecting you to do miracles. We're expecting you to bring salvation into this city. We're expecting you to raise, up, raise people out of the power of darkness and into the glorious light. We're expecting you to do that, Lord God. And even if we can't see the physical sign of it right now, we know and we declare with faith that you will bring it to being. You will bring it to being in the precious name of Jesus. We say thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. We're expecting you this Christmas. Amen. Amen. <laughs> what a great word. What are you expecting?